Hi, I'm Gail from Europod. Before enjoying your podcast, allow me to say a few words about Europe Talks Back. In the third season of Europe Talks Back, I want to uncover the topics that matter or should matter to all of us. From gender to bodies and sex, digital to migration and urban landscapes, and everything in between. Rather than focusing on macro-level policies, let's zoom in and talk to the brave activists and volunteers with lived experience, who are working directly with marginalized communities to further equity, justice, and liberation for all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As I'm still looking for the question I'm going to ask Angela Merkel, I realize that I need to dig deeper into the period of the Greek crisis. Precisely because this period is a turning point for Angela Merkel's perception of her own role in the EU. But this crisis is also the story of a confrontation between the Chancellor and the part of the European people. We're fighting for our rights, and not for uh, our country, but for the whole Europe, for the people of Europe. Merkel embodies an economically liberal Europe, a Europe which is primarily an economic union before being a political one. So when the Greeks protest against Merkel, they protest against this version of Europe. They protest in favor of another Europe, My question to Angela Merkel. La mia domanda ad Angela Merkel. Ma question a Angela Merkel. Mi pregunta Angela Merkel. A Europod series. Episode 7. What's with the austerity, Angie? The message is that our common future in Europe is not the future of austerity. It's the future of democracy, Solidarity and cooperation. In 2010, the newly elected Greek PM, George Papandreou, promised to slash public deficits below 3% of its GDP. Spoiler alert, they won't. Remember in the last episode how high their public debt was? 12%. But in order to try taking it down, Greece has to turn to the EU for help and their EU counterparts were wary. After all, it turned out that Greece, with the help of the US bank Goldman Sachs, faked their public accounts to join the euro a decade earlier. Enter the Troika, a shady Russian name that made its way into the European dictionaries, a name synonymous with austerity. Every time you hear Troika, think the ECB, European Central Bank, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and finally, 
the European Commission. The Troika is in charge of coming up with a plan, a common plan to help Greece. On the 2nd of May 2010, they agreed on one. But here is the problem. Each country loaned a certain amount, and that means that each of them endorses full responsibility for the risks of their loans. And well, that creates an even bigger problem. Because what happens is that instead of filling the breach of Greek instability, it spreads the breach to all of the countries of the Eurozone, some of which, like Ireland and Portugal, are already quite fragile. This creates a new tension on the market. In the following days, but especially on the 6th of May, financial markets do not trust this plan will work. We are on the verge of a new financial crash. European leaders have 72 hours to prevent it. But Angela Merkel is holding back. She seems to understand the gravity of the situation and is refusing the plan put in front of her on the table. A 60 billion euro bailout plan. European ministers and leaders are negotiating either in Brussels or on the phone. The mood is tense. She is reluctant to cave in. Her party and public opinion is also wary. But on the other side, if the situation remains serious and becomes unmanageable, then 60 billion euros will not be enough to stabilize the market and save the European currency. Angie seems to be waiting until the very last moment and it's driving everybody mad. But then something unexpected happens. Whilst she's in Moscow, she meets with the Chinese and Russian presidents. They share their concern in regards to the situation in Europe. At the end of the day, Merkel calls Sarkozy and American President Barack Obama. They all agree on the necessity of a common European fund, but it shouldn't be 60 billion euros. They agree on a new budget, a far bigger one, 750 billion. This is Jean-Claude Juncker, the president of the European Commission at the time. I could see a European reflex emerging in her. She still had doubts. She was not the only one. So did I. But eventually she told herself that if we do not save Greece, it was the beginning of the end. Uh, when she realized that Europe's silence to the Greek crisis could ultimately undermine and tear apart the Eurozone, she fortunately had a change of heart. Merkel realized something. If Greece sank, it would take the entire European boat with her. October 2011, the Bundestag. Germany can't do well if Europe doesn't. That's her opening statement. A point that she has to make over and over again. Europe makes Germany bigger, stronger. German economy relies heavily on its export to EU countries. But for it to be true, Europe has to be stable. If the euro fails, Europe fails, she finishes. 
as Florence Sautré puts it. C'est-à-dire que pour elle, l'Europe... In her view, Europe is not a project. It is not even an idea. It is what is happening now. It is the situation. La situation, c'est... It is a big market, imperfect institutions, relationships of power and a lot of money to share. It is a whole array of things. C'est toute une série de choses. A loan is granted to Greece, but it's like a poison cake for the Greeks. George Papandreou, Greece's prime minister, makes a decision. A decision is shared with the leaders of the G20 in Cannes in November 2011. He's confident he'll get their support. He's going to organize a referendum. A referendum to ask the Greeks if they agreed with the program that came along with the financing plan. Boy, was he wrong. He was stripped and humiliated by the European leaders. And our Angie wasn't the last in line to pressure him into giving up on the referendum. They tell him, if you want a referendum, make a referendum about whether Greece wants to be in or out of the euro. But our plan is non-negotiable. It works. Papandreou cancels the referendum and quits as PM. Formerly reluctant to the Franco-German romance, Merkel seems to have changed her mind. French President Sarkozy has become her key ally in Brussels. They worked side by side when they made Papandreou back down. Very soon, the two of them gave out the impression of a tyrannical pair. Renamed Merkozy, they incarnated top-bottom decision-making and the north-south imbalance that structured the EU. It's not just about Greece. Take what happened to Silvio Berlusconi, for instance. Berlusconi was Italy's extravagant prime minister, and he was going to be another one of Mercosi's victims. In a way, he kind of had it coming to him. Berlusconi had insulted Merkel on various occasions and allegedly called her una colonna inchiavabile. Indirectly, of course. But if he didn't use verbal insults to her face, he did humiliate her on one occasion. It was at a NATO's summit in 2009 in the French city of Strasbourg. Angela Merkel, as a co-host of this summit, was greeting other leaders when they were arriving at the venue, at the top of the red carpet. But then Silvio Berlusconi arrives. He steps out of his car and he's on the phone. And he doesn't hang up. It is seen as a diplomatic outrage and incredible impoliteness. He later said he was on the phone with the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan. But the images of Angela Merkel waiting were bad, really bad. Because at that point, Italy is also depending on Germany and France for a support budget. Italy's public debt is skyrocketing and Silvio Berlusconi is dragging his feet and does not want to accept the seriousness of the situation. Italy's public debt is skyrocketing, but Berlusconi won't have the last laugh. Qu'avez-vous dit exactement à Monsieur Berlusconi? Est-ce que vous êtes rassuré après l'avoir entendu? Flash forward. It's October 2011. Can you hear this awkward silence and the journalist laughing? 
Merkel and Sarkozy just shared a look when asked how the meeting with Berlusconi went. A month later, Berlusconi handed in his resignation. And everybody knew Merkel and Sarkozy had given him a nice push towards the exit. Germany and France are Europe's biggest economies. And therefore, the financial crisis has given them excessive power in the EU. Excessive because it allowed them to interfere with southern countries' internal affairs. So when in 2012 a second bailout package for Greece was finalised, it came along with draconian austerity measures. And this is how we got to this. In 2013, the unemployment rate in Greece reached 27.5%. Pressure on the housing market had kicked people out of their homes. Its homeless population exploded by 25% in barely five years, and 20,000 Greeks lived on the street. On top of that, the Greek welfare state was being torn apart. Funding shortages compromised access to affordable health and led to drastic cuts in pensions. On the 4th of April 2012, a retired pharmacist shot himself on the Syntagma Square in front of the Greek parliament. He became an emblem for the protesters. And in those protests, Merkel's picture is held high on signs and banners. She is depicted as the devil with red horns or even with an Adolf Hitler-style dark moustache. The Greek crowd is chanting in harmony, Frau Merkel, go home. Dempsey is a well-renowned journalist and senior fellow at Carnegie Europe. Merkel should have made a, a visit to Greece. Um, I mean, this was a country that was whose teachers, the professions, old people, kids, they were going through immense hardship. And it wouldn't have gone amiss had Merkel done, at least gone on Greek television or visited Greece. Yes, she would have been lambasted by the Greek public. But I think in some ways it was a failure of the German politicians to show a kind of empathy or understanding of what Greece was going through. From the start, she seemed reluctant to find compromise on those measures. She was, along with her finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble, the most radical supporter of tough austerity measures. What's with the austerity, Angie? Imagine, I asked her that during the interview. I'm kidding, of course, but still, it's a valid question. François Hollande, Nicolas Sarkozy's successor, elected in 2012, was there to witness their good cop, bad cop act. It is true that Wolfgang Schäuble, our Minister of Finances, was particularly strict. Within the Eurogroup, he had refused to make any compromise on the Greek matter. Maybe he was leaving this task to the Chancellor. In any case, he was putting a real pressure on Merkel. You can find the full interview of the former French president exclusively on Europod, www.europod.eu. But let's go back to the story. At some point, he even made himself advocate in favour of a temporary Brexit. This is Jean-Claude Juncker, the president of the European Commission at the time. 
The most strict on this matter was the Minister of Finance and my friend uh, Wolfgang Schäuble. Until 2015, as I was president of the European Commission, he wanted Greece to temporarily leave the Eurozone, something to which I was fiercely opposed. I thought to myself that if we accept this, it was the beginning of the end. Greece would never come back into the Eurosphere because we would not be able to deploy the efforts necessary to convince the reluctant Germans. However, ultimately, Wolfgang Schäuble gave up on his plans to exclude Greece. Angela Merkel, who was behind him at the beginning, stopped supporting him. This was far from being a consistent position amongst members of the German cabinet. Amongst Merkel's coalition, not everyone was in line with the austerity imposed upon Greece. On the side of the Social Democrats, the SPD, who are part of our coalition, there was another issue. They wanted to have an agreement with Greece. Angela Merkel was stuck in contradictory movements. What mattered to me during the negotiations was to emphasize the European interest. She had that in mind. How the Greek crisis should be handled was therefore discussed at length in the German parliament. In Germany, the Chancellor cannot go above the mandate that was given to him by the Bundestag. During her discussion with Greece, among other things, she always wondered if she respected the mandate that she had been given. This limitation of the Chancellor's power and the independence of Germany's central bank was ensured by the German constitution since 1949. This constitution, which was basically co-drafted with the US, the UK and France, as a way to prevent history from repeating itself. Angela Merkel often used those constitutional constraints on other leaders, like the US presidents, to justify her inflexibility. Except it doesn't work on everyone. Go back, Kyria Merkel! Go back, Kyria Soible! The man you are about to hear is Alexis Tsipras. In January 2015, his party, Syriza, a radical left party, won the elections. A political earthquake for the entire European continent. A day later, on the 26th, Tsipras became the new Greek prime minister. And he made one promise to the Greek people. He would fight, with his heart and soul, against austerity measures imposed on Greece by Brussels, Berlin and Frankfurt, where the European Central Bank is located. At that time, I want to remind you that we were at a moment of great tension. Greece had found itself in the eye of the storm, at the heart of the fiscal crisis in Europe, and Germany insisted it would not take a step back from its severe austerity policy. My government had just been elected with the aim of renegotiating the bailout program, always declaring that it also did not want to back down. So a lot of tension had erupted. And during that period, she had avoided meeting with me, and so did I. In the first few months, I visited other country leaders, and I didn't go to Germany. 
This may have annoyed her. I was trying to seek alliances, shaping the field of political negotiations from the beginning, and she had avoided inviting me to Berlin for a meeting. The relationship between Tsipras and Merkel was no doubt confrontational, and it was showcased as such by the press. In reality, their encounters weren't that nasty. I met her at the first summit in Brussels, in which I took part, and she was extremely polite, yet at the same time firm in her beliefs. I remember this long meeting in the Chancellery, where we had essentially agreed on our disagreements and we had not bridged any differences. The meeting was very revealing, but very hard in its essence, where one could say that the conclusion was a disappointment in the end because of this large gap in our approaches. However, I will not forget how at the end of the meeting she took me aside and, almost in a maternal way, told me, I want you to know that, despite the disagreements, I will do everything I can to help find a solution, and I want you to know that any time you face difficulties, not only concerning our differences, but governing in general, I will be on the other end of the phone line to accept your call and help you. This attitude was in absolute contrast to the initial stance, the one of the blame game, when we wouldn't even call each other on the phone. Still, the political tension was palpable. Tsipras and Merkel are political opposites. Economically, Merkel is a fervent liberal. Tsipras is a former member of the Greek Communist Youth and a relentless detractor of neoliberalism. Yet, he told me that regardless of their political differences, there was a human connection. After a summer of negotiations, they land on an agreement. The European Union committed an 86 billion package to save the Greek economy, for a third time since 2010. This package consisted of 61.9 billion euro of financial assistance. However, this financial assistance constrained Greece to a new series of structural and economic reforms. And Alexis Tsipras did not manage to convince Northern European countries to agree to cut even a little bit of the Greek public debt. Greece was somehow saved, but this deal left a lot of people with a bitter aftertaste in Greece and elsewhere in Europe. The Greek financial crisis was somehow over. Since her landslide victory in 2009 and the start of her second term as Chancellor, Angie had a new nickname. The Germans had started referring to her as Mutti, quite literally Mum. Germans felt safe with Merkel's great sense of responsibility. But days later, the country was once again in the European spotlight. And Merkel? 
was going to ask the Germans to trust their Muti. My question to Angela Merkel. La mia domanda ad Angela Merkel. Ma question a Angela Merkel. Mi pregunta Angela Merkel. A Europod series. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Do you want to hear more podcasts that get to the bottom of things that stand out in the ambient noise? Join Europod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and our newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Discover our brand new website at www.europod.eu and join us in our fight. Europod. Clear the noise. Start to listen. Listen.